0: Welcome, friends, to our time of scripture and prayer. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here. It's a delight to be with you always. These are special, special moments of the day uh, for me, and I hope for you. We're gonna delve into God's word once again, and uh, we wanna pray for one another. Feel free to leave your prayer intentions in the comments, and let's put ourselves in God's presence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we come before you, first of all, repenting of our sins. Lord God, free us from sin and self-centeredness. Free us from the the constant trap that we face in our human relationships of letting envy or animosity uh, of any type obscure our vision of our mission and our goal. Let us not be sidetracked. Let us not be, be, be... led astray, Lord God, into senseless battles, rivalries, envies, jealousies. Uh, St. Paul warns us about these things, how they ruin our relationship with you, not to mention with others. Bless us, Lord God, with purity of heart and focus of mind as we do the work of this day and of all our days, because we do it immersed in your word, filled with your spirit, and committed to Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whose name we pray, amen. A reading from the first book of Samuel. When David and Saul approached on David's return after slaying the Philistine, women came out from each of the cities of Israel to meet King Saul. Singing and dancing with tambourines, joyful songs, and sistrums, the women played and sang. Saul has slain his thousands and David His ten thousands. Saul was very angry and resentful of the song, for he thought, They give David ten thousands, but only thousands to me? All that remains for him is the kingship. And from that day on, Saul was jealous of David. Saul discussed his intention of killing David with his son Jonathan and with all his servants. But Saul's son Jonathan, who was very fond of David, told him, My father Saul is trying to kill you. Therefore, please, be on your guard tomorrow morning. Get out of sight and remain in hiding. I, however, will go out and stand beside my father in the countryside where you are and will speak to him about you. If I learn anything, I will let you know. Jonathan then spoke well of David to his father Saul saying to him, Let not your majesty sin against his servant David, for he has committed no offense against you, but has helped you very much by his deeds. When he took his life in his hands and slew the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great victory for all Israel through him, you were glad to see it. Why then should you become guilty of shedding innocent blood By killing David without cause. Saul heeded Jonathan's plea and swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. So Jonathan summoned David and repeated the whole conversation to him. Jonathan then brought David to Saul, and David served him as before. The word of the Lord Thanks be to God. Talk about the definition of a friend, right? Jonathan, a true friend to David. You know, the joy that we have in friendship, the good feelings that we get, the pleasure we derive from being with our friend, talking with our friend, enjoying activities uh, with our friend, isn't the, the whole of the relationship, is it? That's the easy part. The challenging part is this, and yet so needed and so valuable and so much an aspect of friendship. Standing up for the friend before somebody else. Intervening. Interceding. Speaking up and standing up when somebody else doesn't appreciate the value of the friend like you do. Doesn't see the good in that person like you do or perhaps is threatened by the good that that person is or represents or does, you appreciate it, and therefore, if somebody doesn't, or if somebody hates the friend that you love, that affects you. And a a true friend is affected by that. Love makes us vulnerable. If we weren't friends or didn't know somebody, we wouldn't be so affected by somebody else not liking them, or perhaps even like in this case, coming against them in, in, a, in, a, in a threatening way. What a friend Jonathan was to David. Speaking up to Saul and saying, why, why are you doing this? And notice what he did. And because people, first of all, people are overcome by petty jealousy and envy so often, resentment. Saul was angry and resentful over a silly song that the women were were saying. Oh, Saul has slain thousands. David is ten thousands. Yeah. So what? Your value doesn't come from how many you've slain. You're you're the you're the king. You're. You, you, they're, they're, they are praising you. They're thanking God for you. And you should be thanking God for what he has allowed you to do. And, 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 and enough. Keep your eyes on the prize. And, and Jonathan essentially helps him, reminds him of a couple of things. He says, look, you guys are on the same team. God brought about a great victory and it was God and see that's part of overcoming jealousy and envy it's like where does it all come from anyway David didn't kill his 10,000s out of some kind of personal effort this was God giving his people victory over the enemies ascribe the glory to God and you won't be so subject to to uh, resentment and 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 and, and jealousy and so Jonathan talks to, to him about that. He says, the Lord brought about the victory when David slew the Philistine. It was the Lord's victory. Focus on the Lord, and there'll be less reason for animosity with, with your fellow human beings. And he reminded him, you rejoiced in that victory, and rightly so. Jonathan is inviting them to come back to the joy that we should all have at what the Lord is accomplishing among us and through us and in our midst and not just calculate it as what some other human being is doing or that human being's glory. That human being and his or her success should be ascribing the glory to the Lord. That's for their own personal virtue. But so should we so that we avoid envy and jealousy and resentment. If we ascribe the victory to the Lord, it's like, hey, you know what? We can look at the other person and, yes, appreciate what they did. But at the same time, we could say, yeah, the Lord could have done that through a donkey. The Lord could have raised up this tree stump and, and, and gotten those victories. So, okay, I'm not going to be resentful of you because it's not you anyway. It's the Lord. So Jonathan leads him in that direction. But then Jonathan gives him another beautiful lesson here that reminds me of what Martin Luther King Jr. said about hatred of those who come against us. He said, I, 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 don't have, I, I don't have time, I don't have strength for hatred. It's too big a burden to bear. And isn't that a great way of thinking about it? I don't really got to be hateful against anybody. And the way I, I, I also articulate that is this. Why should you give the person who no doubt, is your enemy. And and, and people are our enemies, not because we make them into enemies, but they make themselves into an enemy by coming against us, by hating something that we're doing, by opposing something that we're trying to do. People make themselves our enemies. Okay, And why should we give them so much power? Notice what what Jonathan is saying to to, uh, Saul. He said, if you shed innocent blood of David, on a human level it's like okay now you're lashing out you're resentful so you're going to get your revenge. But now you're guilty in the sight of the Lord. Why give him so much power over you that you ruin your relationship with God which is a way more important relationship than any other? Don't give your enemies so much power over you. Friends, when we allow our enemies to make us hate or to even lead us to actions that hurt them, we're ruining our relationship with God. Don't let them do that to you. They may have already taken something away from you. And for that, they're guilty. But don't let them take away from you the most important relationship in your your life. So Jonathan hits the nail on the head here. And he persuades uh, Saul not to harm David. What a beautiful lesson about friendship. We have to intervene for our friends. We have to speak up. You know, so many sins are committed by calumny and slander. You know, you talk about other people, you say things that aren't true. You ruin their reputation. Everybody has a right to their reputation. Or you say things that are true, but there's no need to say them. There's no need to repeat the faults, the failings, the sins of other people, or you make fun of other people. And, 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 you know, when somebody has told a lie about someone, you know, when I would be as a parish priest hearing confessions and, and people would say, oh, I told a lie about so-and-so. And I said, oh, oh, really? I said, well, do you know the person that you told the lie to? Yes. Can you go back to them? Uh, yes. Go back to them and tell them that it wasn't true. We have to make up for the damage we do to people's reputations. You ever, If you're ever guilty of saying something about somebody else, that then proved, maybe at that moment you didn't know it was, it was false, but then it proved to be false, or in some way you know, the story was got, got across in the wrong way or misrepresented, go back and fix the damage. Hey, John, remember what I told you about Susan the other day? Well, come to find out she didn't really do that. She wasn't really guilty of adultery. You know, she, didn't really, that was, she wasn't the one who committed that, that, that crime. She didn't cheat on her friend. Go back and restore the person's good name. And I saw a reminder online the other day of of, uh, a penance I think that one of the saints gave to somebody who was spreading gossip about someone else and and he said, take a feather pillow, go out on a windy day, release all the feathers from the pillow, let the wind blow them around, then go gather them all up, every last one of them. That was the penance. As a way of showing... That, like St. James says in his epistle, the tongue can set a forest ablaze. We start gossiping about someone, you say something, and it just it spreads out there like the feathers blown in the wind, and it's next to impossible to, to, get, to go and get it all back together again. So don't do it in the first place. The other thing about this is that maybe, um, maybe something that was said about somebody is true. Or maybe we, we can't undo directly the damage of somebody else harming a person's reputation. So you know what you do instead? You build the person up by saying good things. You build up the person's reputation by saying good things about them. This is, a, this is key to virtue. You know, when we say love your neighbor, love one another, it's not just about good deeds. It starts here. It doesn't start with the hands, you know, giving money to the poor or whatever. It starts here, in the mind. What are we thinking? This is where Paul says, bring every thought into captivity to Christ. This is where Jesus says, you love the Lord your God, not just with your whole heart and with all your strength. He says, with all your mind. We've got to think well. Even if somebody did fail in some way, don't we all fail? We've got to lift each other up. We've got to encourage each other, and we've got to encourage each other in front of others. Think well of people. Focus on the good that they do. Focus on the good that they do. You know, it's amazing how the media act. I have seen this in my own case, and not that this is about me, but you see this with a lot of people in the public limelight. If there there was something they did that was negative... It's amazing what, what so many media do. And Catholic media are guilty of this as, as, are, as just as guilty as secular fake news media. Is that if they do, let's say you did something in the past that was negative, right? Or at least in the eyes of some, it may have been a good thing. It was taken as a negative. And then today you do something Good. the media will tend to tag you like a scarlet letter, you know, engraved and blazoned on your, on your forehead. They'll tag you with the negative story about you in the past, but then you may have done 10 times as many good things in the past. Why don't they tag you with one of those? So, for example, John Smith today led a protest march in favor of uh, the lives of The unborn. This is the same John Smith who was convicted of uh, stealing uh, 10 years ago. Yeah, but also he he saved a life five years ago. So why doesn't the story say, this is the same John Smith who saved uh, that person's life from drowning in the well five years ago? Right? Why are you automatically tagging them with the negative thing? Instead of tagging them with a positive thing that they did in the past. But the media fall into this all the time. All the time. They do it to me. The Catholic media also. They do it to, they'll do it to you if you got into a, 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 a story like this. It's unbelievable. It's Saul. Very angry and resentful. Of the song. Can we get out of our pettiness? Can we rise up above the human jealousies, fantasies, feelings, envy? And can we put our hearts purely in the Lord? Love of Him, love of our neighbor, wanting to not just do good, wanting to speak good, wanting to say good about our neighbors amen father we come to you again sinful and sorrowful we know that we have all we have all done wrong and perhaps have hurt in one way or another another person's reputation help us make up for it and help us always to speak well of all our brothers and sisters and if we don't have something good to say about someone lord keep our mouths shut entirely Help us, Lord God, to rise above all those things that would put us at enmity with one another. And help us, as Jonathan helped Saul to do, to see that it is your goodness that we are to celebrate whenever someone does something good. It is your glory that we are to exalt, your name that we are to amplify. And you, therefore, unite us all in cheering on, O God, your victories in salvation, overcoming sin and bringing the human family into new life in Christ. Lord, given the gift you have already given us in Christ, we confidently ask you for all our other needs. Give provision, give consolation, give wisdom and guidance, give encouragement, give what we need, Lord God, give what we need as a way of continuing to show your loving care for us in which we trust. and We now pray, as Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I appreciate you joining me, friends. Um, Very, very important events going on today in Washington, where I am. The um, protest against Planned Parenthood. And people gathering, getting ready for the March for Life. I am uh, networking with everyone, meeting with the other leaders, greeting the marchers. If you're there, I look forward to seeing you. Uh, if you're not, join us. Keep following us online. Make sure you're connected with all my social media platforms at fr Frank Pavone. And friends, uh, tomorrow, the National Prayer Service, uh, one of the highlights of my year, every year, to lead that service, to preach at that service, and to bestow Pro-Life Awards, which I will be privileged to give tomorrow morning to Bishop Joseph Strickland, to Mark Houck, who's the man who's priestful pro-life activist whose house was raided by the fbi and unjustly uh unjustly accused he was he was vindicated in the in the courts but stands as a symbol of the weaponization of government in america today we're going to honor him you want to meet these people you can come to this uh to this prayer service uh all the events that i'll be leading uh tomorrow today tomorrow and the next day the next day in san francisco at the walk for life you can read about and follow at prolifemarch.org. That's prolifemarch.org. That's one of our web pages, and you'll be able to see our schedule of events. Pray for uh, all these events. Let's give the nation a clear witness that we, the pro-life movement, are united and strong, and that we will achieve the goal of protecting the unborn. God bless you for your prayers and efforts along those lines. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: This is Father Dennis Wilde, Pastoral Associate of Priests for Life. Even though Roe v. Wade has been reversed, we continue to go to Washington for national pro-life events on its anniversary. We gather to renew our commitment to defend the unborn. We also remember all who were killed by abortion. On Monday, January 22nd, at 11 a.m., We will gather in front of the U.S. Supreme Court for a memorial service led by Priests for Life and several other groups. The pro-life movement will never forget these 65 and a half million children, each one of whom is a person with human dignity. We entrust all of them into the hands of God and we ask forgiveness as a nation for failing to protect them. See the full schedule at priestsforlife.org slash marchforlife.
0: This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.